This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, lives change fast, and yours is obviously one of those lives that change basically overnight. You're sitting here, you're redoing houses, and somebody says, hey, that'd be a pretty cool TV show. And here we are, and now you're getting ready to be on HGTV with Bargain Mansions. How has it happened so fast for you? You know, I like to say it's it's an overnight success that took a decade kind of thing. You know, we were doing this, we were working, and... Um, it's better to be lucky than good, as sure. my husband likes to say. <laughs> and so we were already kind of doing our thing when the show opportunity came along, and we were perfect. I was prepared for that luck. So we were ready and able to make it happen. And so here we are. After five years of working on making this show happen, we're finished with season two, hoping for season three, and... Making the making the dream happen. What's been the coolest thing that's happened to you besides doing this podcast from being on HGTV and doing uh, doing your television show? This is pretty cool. Yeah. These are pretty awesome opportunities, <laughs> I've got to say. I get to meet so many fun people. And um, I think one of my favorite parts of the show is that I get to learn so much about our city. There are so many amazing people doing killer stuff here. And in a million years without the show no one's going to let me in their back room to manufacture stuff. And so with the show, I get to go behind the scenes in all these different businesses and learn how they're making things, how it's done, and get to be part of that process, which for me, I love being hands-on and mm -hmm. figuring it out. And so that's probably my favorite thing. Did, did you have like a, wow, I can't believe this moment, like you, you met somebody, like in, in the sports world, people are like, yeah, I got to meet George Brett, or I got to meet Patrick Mahomes, or something like that. Did you have one of those moments where you're like, this is really cool, I can't believe I'm doing this right now? Yes. You know, I've had so many of those moments, honestly. I mean, just the like turning the TV on and there's my face mm -hmm. is a pretty cool thing <laughs> to see. Um, hearing myself is not so fun. I'd right. Rather nobody just, likes their voice. No, nobody yeah. does. But it is what it is, and it's it's one of those things like, holy cow, this is real. And I think for me, in my little bubble, I feel like this is just happening here mm -hmm. because for me, it is just happening here. But when I leave Kansas City, the moments that strike me as the most um, wow for me are when I'm in New York or in Las Vegas or I go go out of town and I'm in an airport and somebody stops me and is like, I just love your show. And I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't expect that. I expect it at Target or at HomeGoods in Kansas City. Yeah. I don't expect it walking through an airport well, because it seems – just random to me. Sure, but I think I think your story is is the American dream. I was telling you before we started recording that I was watching an interview with you down at the Nelson, and you talked about being in like these dead end jobs and and just like what everybody does every day. You know, they go to work because they have to go to work. They don't go to work because they love going to work. And you were you were in that. But I think what you did is you got out of that. And for like ninety eight percent of the population, we're scared to get out of that. People are scared to get out of that comfort zone, get out of that work job because they make so much money. Doing Doing it, but they're not happy. 
How did you ultimately do that and say, you know what, screw it. I'm getting out of this job that I don't like and I'm doing something that I do like. Well, you know, I, I had the added benefit of having a very successful husband mm-hmm. that um, has helped to make all these dreams come true. And he, you know, when we were starting out, I had a lot of jobs I hated. But then when we decided to have kids, I wanted to stay home. And so that was why I quit the the nine to five gigs was to stay home with the kids. And we just kept having kids and kept having kids. But I missed having my own sense of, of monetary success. I, I missed that. I, I was successful at my old jobs. I just didn't enjoy them. Um, and I made great money, but there was no reward for mm-hmm. me other than the monetary. And that wasn't fulfilling. And so once we had kids, I loved staying home and would would do it again in a heartbeat. But at the same time, I wanted something that was creative and fun. And I was always dabbling in lots of different things. And I had a great example in my dad of being an entrepreneur. So he has always started businesses and done all kinds of crazy things that were successful and has built himself up as a businessman in the world of um, literally anything he's put his mind to. You say you had a successful husband, but it wasn't like that. When he's in the financial world and it's 2008 and everything's crashing down around him and you're going, oh my God, what are we going to do to make ends meet? You start selling stuff out of the back of your garage and having garage sales and basically turned a business out of that. And, and here we sit at growing days and you're like, oh my God, I created a business because you had to create a business. I did. You know, it was a built out of want and need at the same time. I wanted a nice house. I had the vision and the dream of the house that we were building before the crash. And once the crash hit, he was just working his fingers to the bone. I had to figure out how to finish this house we were in the middle of renovating. And so we started, I started subbing everything out myself. I let go of the general contractor, did it all. And I was also the right hand man to everything that got done in the house. And so I, you know, I'd say painters, okay, what's the first step? I taped it, I sanded it, I did all of the prep and let them do the finish work. And, and learned that process of every, every trade, truly. And so that started the business because once the house was finished, I had to f- furnish it. Mm-hmm. It was still 2008. I still had to buy furniture and there was no disposable income to go out and buy a new sofa and all new furniture. So I started going to the estate sales, buying furniture, re- refinishing it in the driveway. And then friends would come over and want to buy it. So I started selling the furniture and then I started doing the sales. And then I started, I did a few garage sales, had some success. And then I started doing big sales where we'd open the whole house up twice a year and sell everything in the house. So all the furniture would go and I'd just start over. And it, it did, it turned into a business of, of furniture sales, which then led to people seeing the kitchen, seeing the floors, seeing what I'd done design-wise and wanting me to help them with theirs. So when, when you, you ended up doing that, why don't you just go to Nebraska Furniture Mart and finance everything for 60 months like everybody does today and call it a day, you know? <laughs> you know, we've never carried debt, yeah. personal debt of any kind. We have all kinds of business um, business opportunities that we are have investments in kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but we've never carried any personal debt. And so that was just never an option for me. So it, when people came to your house and they said, I want to buy your couch, I want to buy your love seat, I want to buy this, I want to buy that, you're like, okay, fine, here you go. You can you can take it and sell it. And then it dawned on you, hey, wait a second, we may have something good here. Oh, absolutely. You know, when they wanted to buy something, I everything's for sale except for the kids, right? Like well, they, it depends and, on the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's all replaceable. It's just stuff. My, my dream is that someday I can just sell my house and everything in it mm-hmm. and go do a new one and just start from scratch. I mean, I'm like, I'll, I'll just pack a suitcase and be out, you know, 
that sounds pretty awesome to me. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have a lot more sentimental attachment to some stuff, and I just really don't. It's all replaceable, and there's always so many more awesome things on the horizon. I'm like, ah, I can, I can find something else. So it just never slowed me down to sell our couch, even though we didn't have a couch for a few weeks. I found a new one, and it was fine. Yeah. We just sat in a different room, right? <laughs> <laughs> so being adaptable and figuring it out was a huge part of it, and and it did turn it into a business of designing for other people, which we were also renovating and had a lot of rental properties over the years. So we had that renovation piece to this. We had the houses for clients. We had the mansions. The The whole picture was kind of happening before the show happened. And and you, you kind of hit at the right time, too, because renovation shows now are popular. I mean, we watch all of them on TV, including yours. But I mean, like there's a Windy City rehab. There's Flip This House. There's the people out in Vegas, Flip or Flop. I mean, like that seems to be the theme right now. Why do you think those have become so big and so, I guess, important to a lot of us who, who sit at home on a Tuesday night watching some of these? You know, I think it's just like you said. It's how do you get out of that nine to five? I think it's it's kind of like like my kids like to watch YouTube videos oh, of other YouTube. people oh. opening toys or playing video games. Which exactly just, what we were talking about on the show this morning: making slime, watching other people play video games, and watching families sing and dance. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and it's like okay, well why why aren't you just doing that yourself, right? right. But they enjoy watching somebody else do it. Same as as us adults, we sit down and we watch HGTV and watch us flip a mansion, and it becomes something. It's attainable to absolutely anybody. It's inspiring. It makes you feel like, hey, wait a second. If if Tamara can do it, so can I. And and I believe that to be true. If I can do something, it's only because I put my mind to it and I've figured it out. And I've I've watched the YouTube video on how do I fix this whatever it mm-hmm. was. And so I think that it it inspires people to believe in themselves and it makes you have a vision of what could be, whether you take it from the couch to actual happening is is up to you. I think that's that's kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it, it makes us feel like we can do something. You watch this and you feel like, oh, yeah, if they can do that, I can do that. If they can flip a house in 30 minutes, I can flip a house in 30 minutes. <laughs> and you start trying stuff. I mean, we've been kind of renovating our house, and we'll do all the tear outs and stuff like that. And it's a sure. lot harder than it looks. I mean, even if you're wrecking a floor, I mean, you think you're just going to go in there with a sledgehammer and bang away. <laughs> it, it is work. And, and then you start yes. to realize what goes into to doing something like that. But I think... And not to get cheesy, but I think shows like yours give people hope. Like, hey, man, I can do something, you know? Exactly. I think that's exactly right. It does give you hope. It gives you something to aspire to. It gives you some some possibility of getting out of that nine-to-five job or finding what you're passionate about, whether it's houses or, you know, anything. What it, What is it you love doing? Because that's really what this is, is I just loved houses. I loved design. I loved furniture. I loved the accessories. I loved the lights. And I figured out how to make it a business. Mm-hmm. And then here we are. And here we are. And I am no different than anybody else sitting on the couch watching our show. And it all started in Salina, Kansas, where you grew up and you decided to go to K-State instead of KU. That's fine. We'll give you a pass on that. <laughs> Why K-State? Because it seems like you're from Salina. Most people did go to Kansas State. Why K-State? Why did you choose that? What did you want to do? You know, I think um, I, I think about that a lot. I wish I had gotten a design degree. I always look back and think, gosh, that would have been really helpful in this career path. But I got a communications degree, a BS and BS. Mm-hmm. And I I use it every day. It's It's very valuable. But at the same time, I think I think this is where social media actually 
is so beneficial to the youth. I wish that I had something like had had something like Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook back when I was a kid because it would have told me that this was an option. I could have looked at at what am I interested in. There was obviously I had a passion for design even in high school and college. Every apartment I lived in, I was painting the walls and decorating and doing stuff. It never occurred to me that this was a job. I had no idea that people had a design. I didn't know that was even a degree to have Mm -hmm. a design degree. And it never occurred to me that that could be a career path. And I think that in hindsight, I wish that I'd had a better advisor or that I'd met somebody that was a designer. I'd never knew that that, I never knew somebody that was a designer. My parents didn't hire a designer for their house. They just moved into a house and put their furniture in it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it just wasn't on my radar. K-State, I went because, you know, it was close to home. It was far enough away. I could go home for dinner if I wanted to. It's an hour drive. And we were pretty used to that, living out in the country. Driving into town every day was no big deal. So what's an extra 30 minutes to Manhattan? So it felt like I was close to home but not at home. Sure. I get that. Yeah. I, I also think we go to college at the wrong time in our lives, too. Because if I knew now, at 42 almost, what I, you know, and, and I could put that back into college, what I would do differently, Ugh. there is so much that I would do differently. And I think we put kids into college at 18, and then you're supposed to know exactly what you want to do. My dad retired, and he still doesn't know what he wants to do for a living. So get out and experience the real world and use those real-world experiences to go back to college and further what you're already doing. I think that would be beneficial to everybody. I think that's so smart. I I completely agree. And I I think that just experiencing the world, like if I can encourage my kids to do anything, I'm going to say, don't go straight to college. Go to Europe for a year with a backpack and stay in the hostels. Like, I'm not giving you a bunch of money to do it. Go figure out how to do it and wait tables along the way kind of thing. But experience that. See what the world is about. See what you like. Right. And see what inspires you. And you're going to find what that is as you go. And and then go to college for something you love. Because that's how I feel about myself is – I would never choose right now to get a communications degree. I, I agree. I tell people all the time when they say, oh, I want to do what you do. I said, well, you know what? Then go major in international business. Get yourself a real degree and have something to fall back on. So if this doesn't work out, so go find something that you like to do. Use this as a hobby. You can get into it and have it as a job and turn your hobby into a job. But have something better to fall back on. I went and I majored in journalism. If I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be a bum on the street because I've got no <laughs> other skills. You know, I talk for a living and that's it. And that's not exactly marketable outside of this industry. You know? <laughs> well, if you get a cold, you're done. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> God forbid I lose my voice. A lot of people would be happy. Yeah. But, I, but I tell kids that all the time. I mean, you, you have to go and experience life and then figure out what you want to do. Well, and and in hindsight, that's exactly right. Yes, a a design degree would be super valuable for me, but the business side of the design degree is what I really wish I had because that's been, it's not been figuring out how to make a room look awesome. Mm -hmm. It's been figuring out how to build a business around making a room look awesome that has been the struggle for me. And learning those tasks and learning those systems and practices is, is something I think could have been expedited for me had I had that experience. Well, I'll disagree with you on the design thing. I don't think a design degree would have been good for you. You're creative. I mean, that's not something that you can be taught. You know, nobody can teach you how to refinish a a chest or a couch or something like that and make it look good. That's all about what you got going on between the ears. The business side of things, you're right. I tell kids too, 
get into sales because if you can sell, you can do anything in life, not just in the in the media side of things, but in anything in life, it's all about sales, you know? Totally agree. And every job I've ever had has been sales. Like, I don't know that I've ever, I don't think there's anything I've ever done that wasn't sales. Even design is sales. Mm -hmm. You've got to sell your ideas because nobody else can see what's in your head. So you got to figure out how to make people want what you're envisioning. Right. It's sales. Yeah, and, and whether it's actually selling and getting money or selling an idea or convincing somebody that this is the right way to do something, you've always kind of got to be on top of your game in that aspect. So I think that, that that's the message we can send to the kids today. That's old 100%. people now. Go, go get a job in sales. We've been around the block, you know, long enough to, to, to send the right message, I think. Absolutely. And sales of any kind, whether you're selling pharmaceuticals or you're selling car tires, you're selling something and it's a great skill to have. What's it like working with your dad on this? Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's pretty great. <laughs> he is always fun. You know, he has so much life experience, just like I, I feel like I could impart so much wisdom on a, an 18 year old with how to, how to go forward in life. I, I have that in my dad. I can ask him pretty much any questions and he's going to have some sort of an answer. Whether I listen to him or not is another thing. Well, yeah, of course. But, you know, <laughs> he's he's pretty awesome to be around and he's always got a great attitude and he doesn't do anything unless he's going to have fun doing it. He's too, he's too uh, far in life to sit around doing something he doesn't like. So when you came to him with this project and said, hey, dad, I think we can do a TV show about redoing mansions in Kansas City. What was his initial reaction to you? Well, I, I didn't come at it that direction. Actually, I came oh. at it from the direction of, so I'm I'm filming this sizzle reel thing, and here's where I'll be. And he's like, oh, I'll come see what you're doing. Just check out what I was doing. And then if you've watched the show, you know dad is not a sit by and, and watch kind of guy. So he jumped in and was a lot of fun and just became a character in, in it. So it just kind of evolved uh, from being something that I was doing to something we were doing. And, and, he, and he also is a, a guy that probably can't keep a secret all that well because he's telling everybody you guys are going to HGTV. <laughs> and I remember being at the house on Belinda, and you're like, you can't be saying that. Nobody knows that yet. And he's like, he's telling everybody what's going on. Yeah, so, don't tell dad a secret. So not only are you having fun, <laughs> you're having a lot of success now too because you're getting big, you know, bumped up to the big boy network. And that's pretty cool as well. What was yes. that like for you to find out we've hit the big time now with this? You know, I, I feel like um, I actually just wrote a uh social media post and Instagram post about this is that it's kind of amazing to me. I, I didn't dream that we would have a TV show ever in my life. I just was having fun designing stuff and doing houses and doing my own thing. And then this came along. And so I, I kind of think of it in a way I, this is a dream I'm living. I didn't know I was dreaming. And then this dream got on DIY network and here we are. This is awesome. It's, we're killing it. I, I don't dream bigger. And then all of a sudden now this dream has wings and it is flying full bore. You know, it is, it is going for it. And now we're hitting HGTV and in about a week and a half. Yeah. And wow, you see yourself on the big network and everybody gets excited about that. Yes. And I know we get excited in Kansas City when our city is is, you know, put in a showcase and everybody can see what we're all about here in Kansas City. And so my, I, I guess the first thing that I thought of is, why are we doing this show in Kansas City? Like, how do they greenlight Let's Go Kansas City? Because usually they do this kind of stuff on the coast. It's overlooking the ocean or it's in Chicago. How did you convince them that we're doing it here in Kansas City? You know, um, I didn't ever pitch the show. My producers actually pitched the concept because they moved, Matt Antrim is my executive producer, and he'd moved back from L.A. to help take care of his dad that was sick. And when he got here, he started going to friends' houses and seeing 
seeing their houses and he's like, well, how much did this cost? And he's like, in LA, this would have been like $4 million. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, 50,000, <laughs> you know, like not much. And he was just blown away. And so he had this concept of the, the, the show being these big old houses and you know, God has bigger plans than we do because he put our paths together and he's like, oh, you're doing this and this is what I've been thinking. I want to I want to send this to the network mm-hmm. because I think anybody living on any coast or any other city is going to just be blown away at the house prices and the quality of life and cost of living here in Kansas City. And so I don't think it was a hard sell. It's really a pretty fantastic city to live in and it does have all the arts and culture that I think the country doesn't know about. And so I think people still think, oh, you live in Kansas City, so there's tumbleweeds and cattle and somebody's wearing some ruby slippers, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the perception. And hopefully we're kind of changing that with the show and showing off our downtown that's fantastic with the Kaufman and all of the different things that are happening down there. We have architecture, we have art, we have great restaurants, we have great opportunities for business and a really cool... um, startup kind of mentality here in Kansas City. And I feel like we really showcase a lot of those people doing the cool stuff. So is part of the show then showcasing Kansas City as much as it is showcasing the houses to show other people how great it is around here because of that perception? I feel like it is. I feel like Kansas City is kind of the third character. It's Dad and I in this awesome city. And we show off the people doing the cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes people think differently about our whole city. I just like the the visuals you guys use at Kansas City. I, I think that like, you know, for a kid who didn't grow up here but has lived here for over 20 years now, when I see stuff like that, you kind of get goosebumps. You get excited. You're like, hey, that's where I live. That's pretty cool that they're showing it. in, And it makes you want to do other things in your town that maybe you haven't done before. Absolutely. It makes me want to do other things. I mean, I feel like I get to go to all these cool businesses that I didn't know existed until we're like, oh, wait, we need a you know, whatever built. And so let's find somebody that's doing it. And we start researching and we find some cool place in some random area. And then we're driving there. And I'm like, oh, well, wait, look at that cool restaurant. Look at that cool shop. After we film here, I'm going to go stop in. I want to see what that's about. So I feel like the city has become bigger to me because of the show. What's been the coolest thing? Like if you were going to create a day in Kansas City, what would your day in Kansas City be? I need a week. Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many cool things. I I would, um, on my wish list right now, actually, I'm going to go to breakfast tomorrow at Andre's. I got to go there last week and help make some chocolates, and now I'm craving their um, their baguette. They have this multigrain baguette. So start the day with a fresh glass, glass of orange juice and the baguette, mm-hmm. and you're downtown, so let's go wander the plaza, go to the Nelson, check out the artwork. Probably hit the crossroads area, grab a bite for lunch, then wander around in River Market. If it's the first Friday's weekend, I'm going to the West Bottoms. I'm going to do some antiquing. Probably going to hit a few estate sales on my way. I still love that. I don't get much time to do it, but I love the opportunity when it arises. And gosh, I'm going to eat a lot in my week. There's so many great restaurants. There didn't used to be though. I mean, we used to have like Applebee's and Bowling's and, 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 you know, Arthur Bryant's or something like that. And that was it. And then all of a sudden the restaurant scene took off in this town too. Huge. I mean, I I feel like I could eat my way through the city for a year. I don't know that I'd ever eat at the same place twice. You know, there's just so many cool places. Um, you know, I, I think, there's so many opportunities for the kids in the summertime. Deanna Rose is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Even my older kids still like that because we can go fish easily. 
they like going with baby girl and feeding the goats and all that good stuff. And there's just all kinds of great things to do for the family, for Bill and I. It's it's just fun. You know, you, you mentioned the goats. We were just looking back on pictures the other day on Facebook of memories of you mm. know, the, the feeding the goats the, the milk out at Deanna Rose and how oh, yeah. scared they were when they were so little, you know? Oh, yeah. I have one picture of each kid with that goat with the white beard. There's yeah. one goat that's been there for a decade or two yeah. at this point, and he's got this white beard, and every one of my kids is in a stroller like, ah! <laughs> Do you have a favorite project that you've worked on? Maybe it's not a house. Maybe it's a dresser. Maybe it's a table. Maybe like what? What oh. is your all-time like favorite project that you've done? Gosh, you know it is a house. I, I feel like the Locust House last year, season one, was really one of those projects that it it was so bad when we bought it. The transformation just was tremendous and I loved being a little out of the box with it it was in Hyde Park it had such a cool architectural style to it Mm -hmm. and being able to paint it a navy blue exterior with the pink front door putting that awesome roof on it just had so much charm and character and when I look back it's like it's the poop house when we bought it really it's like brown roof brown windows brown trim brown walls brown vines climbing the whole thing I mean it literally was just a pile of brown and the grass was dead it was destroyed and everything about that house was just falling apart and so being able to take that and turn it into something so beautiful and striking. It's actually on my T-shirt, my Growing Days T-shirt, as the, a silhouette of the front of that house because I loved it so much. Have you ever gone into a house and go, no way, not a oh, yeah. chance? Yeah, I totally remember that one. <laughs> there yeah. was this one house, and I literally walked in the door, and the smell made me turn around. I'm like, I can't even, I can't even anything (laughs) there's just nothing i'm no (laughs) so you didn't even like buy it and have somebody else do all the gutting and getting all that out of there. that smell will tear it down just tear it down when that smell is there there's just no hope i I mean it there was something dead in there who knows i didn't go any further so Mm -hmm. i don't know what was dead it was like a cow sized thing though because it smelled so bad (laughs) are there a lot of those that you run into though where where you look at like not a chance i'm taking this one you know, I have two really great realtors, Brian and Mickey, um, with Better Homes and Garden, and they have done such a great job. They don't waste my time. They know exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. They know the areas I like. They know the style of home I like. They know the budgets. They Before they even show me a house, they say they've, they've run comparables. They've gone and seen it before I see it. They've walked it. They send me pictures. They send me a whole complete list of how much this house is going to cost um what they think we should offer for it so it's super streamlined so by the time i'm walking into a house at this point there's a 90 percent chance i'm buying it how do they lead you to a dead cow house though i mean that must that was before them oh it was before (laughs) i used to work with a lot of realtors and waste a lot of time and they really have helped me um streamline that part of it because I, I I get a lot of calls from a lot of realtors wanting to show me houses but um, I won't go to see anything with a realtor if it's on MLS because I know if it's in, in 
in MLS, they've shown me it if it's anything good. Mm -hmm. I'll talk to realtors about things that are pocket listings that haven't hit MLS yet, that kind of stuff. But otherwise, I'm really not interested. Do you um, do you look at stuff and, and start a project and then get to a point where you're like, there's just no way we can do this and then have to quit that project and get rid of it and move on to something else? No, see, I buy those projects. Those are what you buy. Okay. <laughs> Those are some of my favorites because they've already done the demo. They've already done the roof. They've done some, like one of the houses this year was exactly that. And they just kind of said, nothing, I'm done. And they put a new roof on, new HVAC, new plumbing, new electrical. They had done all the hard stuff, the expensive, not fun stuff, and just walked away. And so for me, I got to walk in and just do the fun stuff, make it look awesome and flip it. It yeah. was great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you, those th are my that's favorite. the way to do it then, right? Yeah. I need some more people to quit. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, how many how many phone calls, emails, messages a day are you getting from people who start these projects thinking they can do them and then realize, oh, my God, I can't do this. I need help. And then they say, well, I'm going to call you know, Tamara because she's on TV and she'll come here and do my house. You know, I get a lot of calls like that. And unfortunately... It doesn't usually, it has yet to work out, honestly, because I think people become really invested, emotionally invested in the projects that they're working on. And that's a lot of times why it goes sour mm -hmm. is they, they care uh, so much and they just keep pouring and pouring and pouring in the financial side of it until a lot of times they're upside down in the house. And so for me, when they, they present it to me, they think we'll just break even. And I look at the numbers and I, I'm like, it, it, it doesn't make sense for me to take it at this point. Mm -hmm. So I wait until they've listed it and I go through my realtor because I, I can't, I, I'm not there to bail everybody out. I got you. That being <laughs> said, you want to do my master bath? I need that. That's the last project I need done. You want to come over and do that? I can that? make that happen. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm serious. I need I need to get that master bath redone. Um, you, you've done a lot of things in town, but one of the cool things you're working with is with Zoe's house. And when you were doing the Belinda house, you were doing a fundraiser for them, and, and we got to talking about that. I want to know more about Zoe's house and why that's a special place for you. You know, I really believe... Um, in Randy and Kelsey Bolender and their vision for Zoe's house, they started it. And they, they don't just um, talk about adoption. They walk the walk as well. And they, they've adopted – they have their own children biologically. They have their own children through adoption. And they have a total of 10 children. Wow. <laughs> so they are really walking that walk and showing what that looks like. But then they also started this nonprofit of Zoe's House where they help women in Kansas City that have made the decision to give their babies up for adoption, but um, they help the families to be able to adopt those babies for under $10,000 a child, which is thirty dollars to $50,000 less than any adoption agency. So through you know, events of donation and, and time, they are able to make that happen. But the other thing that's really awesome is they also, they really invest in those mothers that are making such a difficult decision mm -hmm. and help them if they, if they're on the fence about it and they don't really know what they want to do and they decide they want to keep the baby, they will help those mothers to, um, support them, give them the life skills and that that support to help them be able to keep that baby. So they actually have about a 50-50 ratio of children that they place in new homes and children that get to stay with their mother. And it, it is such a beautiful thing because it really is about what is in the best interest of the mother and the child and the family and making it possible to adopt and to bring a family into their home and make it um, 
financially possible. Sure. Yeah. And and for you, did you did you do work with them? How did you discover them and find out? Hey, this is something that that's really special. Through our church. Yeah. Yeah. Through our church, I found them. Um, they actually had a sermon about it one day, and I just was touched. I was trying to find something I wanted to invest in, and I wanted something that really made sense and was dear to my heart. And I, I'm a mom of four kids. No I, you know, my heart is is with children and thinking about how how difficult a decision that is for the mom, how much those families want those babies is is just touching on both sides. And knowing that this family and the people involved in this this organization invest in both sides of that equation mm-hmm. is is really something special. When you look at your life right now, you mentioned the four kids, you mentioned the charity work with Zoe says, all the stuff you're doing. How do you balance life? What's your what's your message to people for that? I don't. <laughs> some days I'm a really great mom. Some days I'm a really great designer. Some days I do great, great charity work. Yeah. But I rarely do all three in one day. You know, something, something has to give. I think balance is a lie. Um, there's no way of making everything work all the time perfectly. And um, it's just doing the best you can every day, one foot in front of the other. You, you mentioned social media earlier and the positive stuff that you can get out of social media. We deal with a lot of negative stuff all the time, it seems like, more so than positive stuff in social media. How do you embrace the positive? How do you, how do you filter out the negative trolls? You know, I, I laugh at them. I think they're hysterical. One woman, like, really cares a lot about my voice, evidently. She thinks I growl and oh. um, is very bothered by my growling voice and would like me to change that. And I just think that's pretty entertaining because I'm not sure how I'm going to do that for her. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? How do I fix a growly voice? What, what, I, don't I, don't, I don't hear a growl. Though. I don't either. I, I, if anything, I'd say I was high-pitched. But, yeah, no, I, I growl to her. Uh-huh. And So is she, this a constant? Like, yes, yeah. it's a frequent message from this one person that is – is so entertaining. I get so much entertainment value from that. I, I mean, Did it bother you at first, though? No, not at all. Because, I mean, there's not even any truth in it. You know, it's like, okay, well, what do you want me? Most of the time, that's the case. Right. Is What do you want me to do about it? I don't I, You know, I am who I am. I'm not... I'm not an actress. I'm a mom. I'm fixing houses, and you get to watch me do it. So... That's that. Do you, do you ever, like, sometimes it. we say, we'll send you a receipt for the money you invested in watching this program, and then they, <laughs> they kind of go away. You know? I, you know, I just don't respond, and I block. I, I, I choose, like, when they're just nasty about things, I just am like, eh, I, yeah. don't have, I don't have mental space or energy for it. Um, it's just not worth my time. What's next for you? What's next? I don't think I'm allowed to talk about that yet. Oh, really? Lots oh, of big, wow. exciting things. That's awesome. Yeah. I kind of meant just like you're like throwing out the first pitch of the Royals game. Oh, that'd be know. fun. Can you we, make that happen? I can absolutely make that happen. Can you, you get me lessons it. first? Uh, we can work <laughs> on that. Yeah. We, Ryan and I could teach you how to do that if you want. If, I mean, I'm coaching eight, nine-year-old softball right now. Yeah. So if I can get those girls to, you know, throw the softball, I figure yeah. I could probably get you to do it. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd do that. I'll get you to throw the first pitch out of the Royals game. I'll make that happen today. <laughs> I'll make one phone call, and they'll call you and say, let's do this. I am totally in on that. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You bet. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.